COVID-19 can be characterized as a pandemic. Our goal is to protect the lives and livelihoods of Australians. We have breaking news on a corona scare. The panic buying, self-isolating on a statewide level. Stop it. It's Wednesday, April 1st. Natalie Bongiolo and Ben O'Shea with you for Coronavirus Watch and a bit of a jump in the numbers of cases here in WA compared to yesterday, Ben. Yeah, there's 28 new cases in WA and that comes after yesterday we saw just nine new cases, which was a massive reason for optimism. A little bit of a step backwards today, but I think that's to be expected. I think the government was never super enthusiastic that we only just had nine. I think they knew that there's a long battle ahead and you can't start celebrating before the war is won. Uh, And that brings the total for WA up to 392. Uh, Currently, there are 54 people that are hospitalised with COVID-19 and there are 14 people in the ICU. And of course, there have been two deaths. Yeah. And nationally, those numbers have risen again. Yeah, uh, nationally, we're up 303 cases today, uh, which brings the total to 4,860. The total deaths thus far has been 21. We saw an extra uh, death added to the total today. Sadly, uh, someone passed away at Orange Base Hospital uh, from COVID-19. So that's, that's always terrible to see. Yeah, and I, I don't like to really look at the worldwide tally because it is, you know, so high, but we'll um, give you those numbers yeah, it's actually it's actually really hard to keep up with it. Uh, the the global cases uh, have now passed eight hundred and sixty thousand, uh, and the US uh, represents one in five of those cases. Uh, so they're they're really struggling at the moment. Uh, and there's lots of lots of r- uh, really grim news coming out of the US today. Yeah, well, the struggle back here in Western Australia is still to do with those cruise ships, and you know there's a standoff now with the Artania, which. Um, just refusing to leave and wanting to push back their leave date to the April 15th, which is a huge concern because the government told us today that they've now discovered some of the staff on board unwell and some of the passengers didn't get off when they should have. Well, they didn't want to get off the boat. Uh, amazingly, you would think you would do anything to get off that ship at the moment, but there's still 12 passengers aboard the Artania who were refusing to get off. And the worrying thing is there are 450 crews, a lot of a lot of crew on one of these big cruise ships. And some of them, if they're ill, obviously there's a there's a huge risk there that they're COVID-19 positive. And so McGowan has really blasted them. He's put a a figurative rocket across their bowels, uh, demanding that the federal government get involved. Uh, He's calling this cruise ship situation one of the worst situations he's dealt with in his political career, and he wants to see them gone ASAP. Yeah, because the reality is the longer that this ship is here, the greater the chances that these passengers will develop COVID-19 and need to be treated in our hospitals, which, of course, we are worried about the capacity to do that. So let's have a listen to what he had to say. It sounds like the, the ship's master wants the, to serve out a period of 14 days quarantine to see how, if any symptoms develop. Would you rather that they serve that, for example, at Christmas Island instead of Fremantle? Well, that's a very reasonable idea, Maybe. a very reasonable idea. Uh, if that's what's required... Uh, take the ship to Christmas Island. Look, there needs to be urgency around this. Sydney has six or nine ships, I get various reports, are sitting off its coast or in Sydney Harbour. They've got a much bigger problem than we do. But what I don't want to see is the Artania sit there and potentially attract ships from somewhere else on the basis that you can stay in Fremantle. That's right. And as you said, Premier Mark McGowan said that this is one of the great frustrations of his life. 
And it's going to get even worse as he is worried. If the if the Artania's presence sends the signal to other cruise ships around the world that Frio is a safe harbour in a crisis, you can go to Frio, your sick passengers will be disembarked and taken care of and you'll get fuel and supplies and all the rest of it. We could see a, a lot of cruise ships turning up on our doorstep. That's the last thing we want. It's the last thing really any city in the world wants. And so McGowan is very keen to get the Artania on its way. Uh, we're going to do it as nicely as possible, but they have definitely overstayed their welcome. Be gone with you. Um, a really interesting development today was the introduction of these heat maps, which basically show COVID-19 hotspots around the state. And this is absolutely fascinating to look at. Yeah, well, I can tell you that every single person that I know has looked at this heat map today. I'd be surprised if there was any Western Australian that hasn't. You've got to head along to the WA Health Department website and it breaks it down by the state and then it drills down into specific regions, especially in the metro area where you can see where these cases have been concentrated. And when you look at the map of the metro area, there's certainly uh, a predominance of cases around the western suburbs, uh, Mosman Park, Nedlands, uh, Crawley, those type of suburbs, Claremont, uh, whether or not there's people who have been on cruise ships or taken overseas holidays, there's certainly uh, overrepresented. Uh, and then there's a smattering in the outlying suburbs, but certainly the inner Perth suburbs represent where most of the cases have come from. Yeah, I mean, it was good to see, of course, that the the exact location of individual cases will not be re- revealed because that could lead to all sorts of problems if that were the case. Yeah, I would have loved to have seen a bit more interact- interactivity in the map. I know there are other uh, countries uh, and health departments that have introduced uh, maps with a little bit more, uh, a few more bells and whistles. This is early days yet for us. Uh, this certainly, though, is is great at giving you an idea of where the cases have been spread. And I think for a lot of people, it could be the first time that they've looked at what's happening in Western Australia with COVID-19 and taken a step back and thought, you know what? This is a serious problem. I think it's reinforced to people uh, how big of an issue this is. And I'm hoping that people will use that as motivation to really stick to the guidelines, stick to the rules, uh, the social distancing, not take it lightly, uh, because you'll, the last thing we want to see is more dots on that map. That's right. Stay indoors if you can, um, apart from a short walk with one other person. Um I think the other thing that was very interesting that was announced by the Health Minister, Roger Cook, today was more testing. And from tomorrow, the criteria at the testing clinics will be changed. So if you are presenting with a fever of 38 degrees or above and you have respiratory illness, you will now qualify to have the test. If you're in the front line, if you're health workers, you can get a test with either of the above. You don't have to have both of those. And of course, anyone in a risk setting such as aged care workers and what have you, they will also now be eligible for the testing or people within retirement villages. Um, The other thing he urged people to look at was the flu vaccine. Yeah, well, these two things actually kind of go hand in hand in a way because the last thing the health department wants is a lot of people presenting with the flu because they haven't had a flu vaccine, which will then complicate clinical diagnosis of COVID-19 because they'll be going, oh, which one is it? Uh, And also there's the possibility of people will have both viruses at the same time, which could be very dangerous if you're in the vulnerable categories of the population. So the definitely urge to get the flu vaccine. Uh, I spoke to Associate Professor Archie Clements from Kurt 
Curtin University, and he said there's no problems with seniors getting the flu vaccine. I know there's a lot of doubt in the community about whether or not that would leave you more vulnerable to COVID-19. He said the opposite is probably true. It will uh, help you to prevent getting the seasonal flu, which if you did get that, it would lower your immune system, it would weaken your body, and then if you got COVID-19, it could be a much more severe infection. So getting that flu vaccination, I think, is very important right now if you can. Obviously, there are some groups of people who aren't able to get the flu vaccine. If that's the case, you shouldn't go out and get it. Stick to your doctor's advice. But certainly, if you can get the flu vaccine, uh, the health department wants you to do it as soon as possible. Yeah, and that is very reassuring news with the vaccine. And it is interesting that doctors are telling us that despite what's going on, they're very, very quiet right now because nobody wants to go to the GP because they're worried about going to the practice. But they want you to remember that you can have telehealth conferencing. So you shouldn't be ignoring other medical issues just because you're too frightened to step into the practice. And with the flu vaccine, of course, they are looking at where they deliver that, which can be in the car park. And some practices are even potentially looking at whether you get your flu vaccine as a drive through which would be very well, interesting. Well, here's an interesting first-hand account. I had to go to see a GP because I'm an asthmatic, so I needed to get uh, some asthma medication. Uh, it was, all the asthmatics out there, I'm sure, like me, are a little bit worried with the respiratory virus going around. Uh, the last thing I wanted to do was go into a GP's office at this time, uh, but you can do this teleconferencing. I my, my GP normally doesn't offer bulk billing. Uh, you get it back. Uh, but now the federal government has uh, enabled GPs to do phone consultations and it's fully bulk billed. So I, I got a call from the doctor at 6 p.m., 15-minute chat. He was able to fax a prescription to my pharmacist. Uh, it was bulk billed, didn't cost me a cent, and I didn't have to go to a GP. And so if you have a medical condition, like I would really urge people to continue to talk to their GPs. Don't just suffer away at home. This has become a massive problem in America. Uh, people aren't going in, even if they're suffering things like minor heart attacks and strokes, because they're so worried about COVID-19. It's right to be worried, but you could be putting yourself in harm's way by not seeking medical help for your existing conditions. That's right. They are ready for you. They are prepared for you. And you just have to make that phone call. The doctor will call you back and do an assessment over the phone or even over a, a FaceTime situation yeah, as well. Yeah, that's right. Lots of options these days with technology. Lots of options. Um, very interesting today, day today. We talked about this a lot yesterday, but just to touch on the fact that today for the first time in West Australian history, the roads into our regional areas are closed and being manned by police and, and the army. And these pictures are really quite extraordinary to see. Amazing. I saw some footage from the police uh, of a drone that that had set up uh, above one of their their border checkpoints. It really is incredible to see uh, the blockades on our highways, stopping people, questioning them. It sounds like a sort of thing from a totalitarian government, a dictatorship, but it's just essential at the moment if we're to stop the spread of a virus. Uh, So the police are doing the right thing. Uh, Hopefully they're encountering people who are being understanding of the measures and not uh, back chatting too much. You'd be a very brave person if you were back chatting the police in this (laughs) environment, I have to say. Uh, And I had a lot of people questioning what are the borders of the regions. You just have to look at the existing uh, economic and development regions of WA. So you've got the Great Southern, you've got the Southwest, you've got the Goldfields, the Pilbara and the Kimberley and the Midwest. 
So if you know those boundaries, they're available on the West Australian uh, government website and also on Wikipedia. Pretty much everywhere you can see the boundaries of those regions. That's the borders that will be patrolled along, along the arterial highways. And also today, an incredible, incredible amount of money uh, given to the state by Fortescue boss Andrew Forrest. This was $160 million to help with the battle and the fight against COVID-19. It's not bad, is it? $160 million. Uh, Twiggy, through uh, his Mindaroo Foundation, uh, has donated money to lots of different causes. This one I know uh, will be gratefully received by the state government. $160 million, which will bring life-saving medical supplies and equipment to WA from Shanghai on special charter flights. Uh, if it was me, I'd probably leave the equipment sitting on the tarmac for a couple of days uh, just to make sure anything that was growing on them had fallen off. 72 uh, hours, yep. Yeah, yeah, 72 hours. But this is, this is a, a really big deal and it's great to see someone like Twiggy who obviously has vast resources using them for such an important cause and I hope it inspires some of our other uh, people at the top end of town to dig deep and, and help the government because the, you know, the billion dollar package they announced yesterday, this money doesn't grow on trees, uh, it's not a bottomless well of money and so the contributions of people like Andrew Forrest uh, are greatly appreciated. Yeah and the sorts of things that this money will buy um, are things like you know $2.3 million worth of um, gloves and 100,000 Perspex gobble, goggles and overalls and ventilators. And he really did thank China for this because he said that um, there is intense pressure not to have all these goods snatched by another nation while they're sitting on the tarmac ready to head to Australia. So he's obviously relied very heavily on his Chinese connections to be able to yeah. make this happen and that they had been working around the clock to get this to happen. Yeah, he's pulled he's pulled a few strings. It sounds easy when we just talk about it like this, but I guarantee behind the behind the scenes there was a lot of uh, toing and froing going on. So it's a credit to him and a credit to Mindaroo that they've persisted and been able to achieve this for Western Australia. Yeah. So the question is, at a national level, are we flattening the curve? So we have a bit of audio here from the Deputy Chief Medical Officer at his press conference today. Really what we're seeing in terms of the epidemiology of the... Of the um of the disease here in Australia. Uh, we are continuing to get more cases, but that curve is flattening. And rather than thinking about a peak, we should be thinking about a long haul. And uh, that's really the most important thing. Yeah, I think that's really encouraging news. We're seeing that the rate of new infections is slowing. Uh, a part of that is to do with the social distancing measures coming in. We've closed the borders. They're taking some very tough decisions in the East Coast to prevent the spread of the virus. And we're starting to see the results of some of those decisions that were made a week ago, two weeks ago. Hopefully that continues because what happens today is great. But what happens in two weeks' time is what will be the difference between uh, making it through this uh, with the health system intact, with as many lives intact as possible, and seeing the worst-case scenario that we've, we've witnessed in other countries. Yeah. And people who are trying to profit from this virus, they've been put on notice by Peter Dutton, who is trying to stop price gouging. Yeah, it's disgusting. There are so many people doing it tough right now, people out of work uh, and also fearing for their lives because of this pandemic. And there are some who are trying to profit off that, uh, buying goods in supermarkets, essential goods and PPE, stuff like that, and then on-selling it through Gumtree and other reselling websites at exorbitant prices. Peter Dutton made it clear that he's not going to stand for that. He's going to introduce laws that will punish people caught doing that and will also punish people uh, who are 
buying these essential goods and then exporting them. It's really, really important that we keep these products in Australia to help us look after Australians. And Peter Dutton's doing his best to ensure that's the case. Yeah, this has to stop. And you can't help but wonder when the panic buying was happening, how many of those people who were panic buying were actually panic buying and then reselling. Yeah, exactly. Because it just made no sense how much uh, toilet paper, how much flour has been sold. No, There's nowhere to store it in most people's houses. Uh, and so some of it definitely ended up on the resale market, uh, whether it was exported or whether it was just sold to desperate people within Australia. Both are really terrible and need to be stopped. So it's great to see the federal government taking a proactive stance to just let and letting everybody know that it's not okay. It's not okay to do that. Yeah, and I actually know people who a few weeks ago they did resort to buying toilet paper on Gumtree, paid a ridiculous amount of money, and someone was pocketing that, which was just outrageous. When you got to go, you got to (laughs) go. Or as our friend Neil Pryor from the West Australian said, there's nothing wrong with a good garden hose from Bunnings. <laughs> uh, interna- internationally in the UK, a fetish company is donating its entire stock of scrubs to the National Health Service for frontline health workers who are desperately running short. <laughs> Yeah, well, this is what happens when essential goods like PPE winds up on the black market or is exported overseas. There is a shortcoming somewhere, and it's if it's the frontline health workers that aren't able to get PPE, which we're seeing in all of the countries that have been struck really heavily by COVID-19, whether it's Italy, America, uh, Spain, the UK, the first thing that runs out is PPE for these health workers. And they're finding they have to, in some cases, wear masks for two or three or even five days at a time uh, and not have gowns, all of this kind of stuff. It's terrible to see. And so this fetish company who specialises in like actual uh, scrubs and medical gear for people who want to play doctors and nurses in the boudoir uh, have thought, we've got all of this stock, we can do something with it. They're donating it to the NHS and it'll be put to a good use. (laughs) Well, good on them. Um, Now, the Prime Minister in the UK, Boris Johnson, as we know, he has tested positive to COVID-19, but he's got more problems over there and he's got these very, very strong lockdown measures which were introduced on March 23rd and there is growing concern around um, these measures and the overreach by police. Well, you're telling me Poms want to have a winch? No. (laughs) Uh, Apparently, uh, there is a bit of a backlash towards police in the UK being a little bit officious in how they're policing some of these new lockdown measures. Uh, In in Warrington, in Northern England, uh, the police were criticised for issuing a citation to six people for a variety of of apparently very minor acts. One person was just out for a drive due to boredom. He copped a ticket. Uh, People people from the same household were stopped by officers for going to the shops for non-essential items. Uh, And it's created uh, a backlash against the police where some elements of the public are worried that the UK is is devolving into a police state. Uh, they're worried that there's a little bit of overreach on behalf of the police. And I can I can see that. They, I can see that they think that it's a bit overzealous on behalf of law enforcement. But from, from the perspective of the police, I'm kind of sympathetic, you know, like day in, day out, all you're seeing is people doing stupid things, people flouting the regulations. I think if I was a police officer, knowing what the frontline health workers are going through, it would get to a point where I'd be so fed up seeing people do stupid things that I would think to myself, do you know what? I'm going to make an example out of the next person. And I think people need to remember, we are at war. Around the world, we are at war. 
And these measures are necessary for that reason. You can't see bombs dropping out of the sky, but make no mistake, this is super serious. Yeah, exactly. And so I I really have uh, no patience for people who are complaining about overzealous police officers. I think we've, if anything, we've brought it on ourselves through our own behaviour, because that's the thing with that's the thing with COVID nineteen. There's no vaccine. There's no cure. The only treatment is improving our behaviour. And if we're not doing that, then someone needs to help us enforce it. Yeah, and in the US, they're looking at very, very, um, uh, you know, much bigger steps in terms of bringing in compulsory face covering because their government has estimated that as many as 240,000 people could die based on the current statistics. Yeah, that's based on the current trajectory, which takes into account social distancing measures, closing the cafes and restaurants. So as many as 240,000 might be the best case scenario in America, which is terrifying. And they think that it could get much worse than that. And if if they're not convinced that they can do something about it, they'll bring in compulsory face covering, not PPE necessarily, because they know there's a shortage with the frontline health workers, but it's whether it's a scarf, whether it's wrapping a towel around your face or something like that, just covering your mouth so you're not at risk at passing the infection and you're not at risk of getting it. And Zoom has been hit with a lawsuit over privacy concerns. Yeah, so Zoom, probably a month ago, no one had ever heard of it, but now it's become one of the biggest video conferencing platforms and apps in the world. Everybody uses it here in Perth, in Western Australia. Everybody uses it to talk to their mates or have work conferences, but they've been hit with a lawsuit in America over privacy issues. They've been caught selling user data to third parties, such as Facebook, uh, and they ask you to put in your work email address when you sign up for Zoom because it's billed as this work teleconferencing service. So I think the news that people's data isn't safe or is at the very least being shared when they probably don't want it to be shared uh, is something that I think you should be aware of if you're using it. There are other platforms out there. They all work pretty well. Zoom is just one of them. So factor that information into your decisions. And I guess one thing to think about is if you are uh, teleconferencing or video conferencing, you might be talking to the person that you can see on the screen, but the reality is anybody else could be standing uh, five feet to the side of them and listening in to every everything you say. That's right, exactly. And still social distancing. And still social distancing and not missing a word. Um, and social distancing for a someone celebrating their 30th birthday when they were surprised by a sing-along that included an entire apartment building. Happy birthday! That is so heartwarming to see that video and you can see um, all around this apartment, people are out on their balconies singing happy birthday. People are coming up with the most gorgeous and inventive ways to make sure that their loved ones aren't missed out on their special birthdays. Well, it's never been harder to, for people to get together, but it's good to see there are still ways that you can make a personal connection if you think outside the box. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you again. That's the latest on COVID-19 here in WA and right around the country for April 1st. Join Ben and myself again tomorrow for Coronavirus Watch, wherever you get your podcast.